Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Welcome everyone to Waveform episode five. So if you're a little confused, yes, this is the third episode in three weeks, three in a row. And if you aren't confused, that probably means you missed episode four as it was a special unscheduled episode, which also means you're probably not following us on Twitter. We're not mad. We're just just disappointed, that's all. <laughs> anyway, we're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And on this episode, we're gonna go over the ongoing Tesla versus Porsche saga. And then we'll dive a little deeper into iPhone 11 Pro and then we might as well just go ahead and do our own Pixel 4 launch event because the internet has leaked basically everything. Then we'll hit on some OnePlus rumors and we'll finish it off with a Q&A. Let's get into it. All right, so we've actually dropped five new videos since our last scheduled episode of Waveform. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we had an unscheduled one in there, so a lot of the videos we've pretty much talked about, but... Yeah, but it's that time of year, man. It it's is. just, uh, it's about to be full swing. Or we call it hardware season, we can call it tech season, tech-tember. October, no matter what you call it, it's underway. It's about to be lit, as they say. <laughs> so one of those was the Galaxy Fold video. So we had a, sort of a short overview of the fixes they had for the reinforced re-release. You could call it the Galaxy Fold 1.1. Uh, a lot of minor things, you might not even notice them if you hadn't seen the original Galaxy Fold, but in the video, we went over the little caps at the end of the phone mm -hmm. and the little more rigid hinge. But overall, it's generally the same idea, same phone, same screen, same specs, but uh, hopefully doesn't break on day one for people, maybe takes uh, a little longer than that. Yeah, yeah, I think they were so proud about showing that that robot that folded it like 10,000 times, but I just really think they underestimated how much human nature were just ready to just fuck shit up. Like, I think that's just what happens when you when you test a phone in a vacuum and you don't really do a whole ton of outside the lab testing. Yeah. And most of this was because they wanted to keep it a secret, yeah, which they successfully did. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have people testing it for the first time, which are reviewers and, and people trying to publish what they find about it. And they just start breaking in ways that they didn't account for. So hopefully this one doesn't do the same thing. I actually kind of have a feeling, and I mentioned it in the video, that... Mm -hmm. These are still gonna break. Yeah. Like it's still a fragile phone, and the number one thing I think is going to break. If I were to make a prediction right now, uh -huh. if I was betting, uh, the thing that's gonna break for regular people who actually buy this is the screen, just the soft yeah. plastic front of it. It's way too soft. Yeah. So the hinge might not be a problem anymore because they did reinforce that, but I think that soft plastic is still a little bit of a barrier for yeah, it. Yeah. I think one of the people, one of the reviewers that broke it was mentioning how their fingernails started to like. Yeah cut into it and and i think he's in the video we show that when you open it up now it tries to tell you to tap it lightly but as much as it, it probably also tells you not to drop the phone but everyone yeah. drops their phone so it's gonna happen you're gonna tap the screen it's gonna start breaking how long would you give it uh well someone's gonna break it on day one because zach's gonna get his okay and he's well gonna i can't wait for that <laughs> for that. one i think he's gonna have to order 10 of them that teardown is gonna be 
fun to watch. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's out there now and, and people are going to start to use them and people are going to spend $1,980 and get their folding phone. And that's, on one hand, really exciting that we live in that world now, mm -hmm. that people are going to start buying and using folding phones. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, still a fragile phone. But that it's out there now. We've shown the update. You guys can take the risk if you want, but there's, of course, plenty of choice. And then we also showed this week the Asus ROG Phone 2. It's the Spec King, and we've seen this on paper. This this phone, if you've watched the video, you already know it's it's a sort of a, a small design iteration from last year, but the specs are sick. It's a Stupid. Snapdragon 855 Plus, which is the highest end non-Apple-made silicon. It's uh, 12 gigs of fast RAM. It is up to a terabyte, and this is gonna be available later this year. You can have a half a terabyte now, but up to a terabyte of UFS 3.0 storage, which is fast storage. <laughs> That's already an insane spec sheet. Then on top of that, you have a 6,000 milliamp hour battery. That's the biggest battery I've ever used in a phone. Uh, you also have a headphone jack, you have a 48 megapixel main camera, and you have a 120 hertz OLED display on the front. So it's got a lot going for it on paper. The question was just, does it translate well to real life? Mm -hmm. Everyone in our comments forever has been saying, well, duh specs <laughs> they, but they usually do translate pretty well i mean something that is a perfect translator is battery oh yeah um unless you're comparing an iphone to an android phone pretty much among all android phones you can get a pretty good idea if it says 2800 milliamp hours and it's got a giant high refresh rate screen it's not going to last very long mm -hmm. if it's a 6000 milliamp hour battery it's just going to last a much longer time so this phone um, I don't want to spoil anything, but I feel like this one's a lock for battery champ of yeah, 2019. Yeah, we've talked about this. We've talked about a couple of smartphone award things, and it's hard to, but I can't see this one losing. I can't see it losing battery. I'm also thinking it's probably up for best big phone of the year, mm -hmm. just because when you think of like a, an actually great use of space, the phone is not over... It's huge, right? But it's not overly... Uh, cumbersome and impossible to use, uh -huh. and they managed to stuff like everything you could possibly put in a phone in it. So, possible best use of use of big space too. Is this is a good phone? It's under the radar. Yeah. Um, but it's. I it's think a there's good phone. some. There are a couple issues with bands in the U.S. Right. Right. And yeah. There. The U.S. versions are coming later, and and they're actually. I think, like I said, the the terabyte version isn't shipping okay. for a couple a couple more weeks. But I think when it does get to the U.S., people will find it a pretty great option. I'll be super excited the first time I see one of them out in the wild. It's not my daily driver anymore, though. No, no. Oh, <laughs> I uh, I switched back to the OnePlus Seven Pro. Okay. And the, the biggest thing I miss from the ASUS ROG Phone Two is the gigantic battery. But the the biggest advantage of the OnePlus Seven Pro is the warp charging. So yeah. I actually, you know, I do find myself running through battery a bit faster instead of being at sixty percent around today, like this mm -hmm. time of day. I'd be at like 40%, but I'll, I'll just plug in on the on the car ride home and I'll be back up to like 70, 80, 90, yeah, and I'm good. We're definitely in the world where someone has a charger almost everywhere. So yeah. it is really easy to not have to last a day, but it definitely, that 6,000 milliamp hour battery is nice to, like I'm not that worried about fast charging if I know literally the only time I have to plug it in is when I go to bed at night. Honestly, it changed the way, like it changed the way I used chargers that phone like every phone i pretty much ever use i'm constantly thinking about when am i going to be able to plug in maybe it's a bit unhealthy but like that's just what i'm thinking yeah. about uh this phone i was like all right it's the biggest battery i've ever used let's see how good it really is i'm going to decide to use it extra hard and i'm going to not charge it even when i can 
So on the way to work, I I just have a car charger like sitting there waiting to plug in uh-huh. for my GPS. And I just put it right next to the charger and I didn't plug it in. <laughs> and I just went the whole day without ever plugging anything in. And yeah, like you saw in the video, I was ending the day with like half battery left That's after nuts. just crushing it. So yeah, uh, that phone is, it's great. But I, I did end up switching back because I'm, I'm a bit more of a fan of the, the Oxygen OS experience and 90 hertz versus 120. Could you, have you looked at the 120 hertz display? Just a tad, not too much. And I'm also only, I'm using a Pixel 3, so I'm not used to really having oh. my high refresh rate on my phone. Sorry. Okay, so, so I'm you're, ready. You're oh, ready, ready for a high refresh rate I'm screen. so ready. I could kind of sort of sort of tell the difference between 120 hertz and 90, mm-hmm. and I can definitely tell the difference between 90 and 60. Yeah. Major difference. I think that's the bigger jump. I think we've talked about it before. Oh, a lot, yeah. This, yeah. Is, my, this is my biggest gripe with the, the, the new Note is like, everything's great about that phone, but I can see the difference between 60 and 90. And if the Note 10 was a 90 hertz display, I would have loved that thing. I probably would still be using it. Yeah, would you be, so every year I feel like I, I work here, I've always found you you go back and forth between OnePlus and Pixel. That usually once you get into a daily yeah. driver thing, Samsung sneaks in sometimes, but yeah, I'm so used to you using OnePlus because it's so fast Definitely than the last being mad years. about camera, going back to <laughs> one, but Google, but I can, confirm here that he's been using OnePlus for a very long time. Yeah. And so the OnePlus 7 Pro came out in March or something like yeah. that, March or April, and it's been more or less my primary Android phone since then. I'll test other phones and I'll end up going back to it. Yeah, mm. since then. Probably the longest I've seen you with one phone that wasn't being tested Yeah. before switching, which is saying a lot. I think the real the real driver for that is it's it was first to 90 hertz and every time I had to switch back to another phone it was a phone that didn't have 90 hertz and that's just what it came down to. But we're going to have a bunch more options later this year. So that's yeah, exciting. That's very exciting. Uh anyway, <laughs> we also have all of our iPhone videos this week, but we'll touch up on that a little bit later. Um do you have any uh any any videos or some content you've thought was worth sharing specifically in the last two weeks? Yeah, uh so talk, since we're on a podcast, why not talk about a podcast? And why okay. not talk about a podcast from another creator? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so two people we love, Phil DeFranco and Casey Neistat, uh, they joined in on Phil DeFranco's podcast episode, uh, A Convo With, I think is the Yeah, the title. I like it. So he's doing a, he's, a, he's doing a video podcast, but also distributing it like an audio podcast. Mm-hmm. But if you want to like watch the video version, it's it's usually a pretty good like extra bit to see yeah, the, the video talk the video is cool like i don't think you're missing anything but the set set for one is fantastic yeah uh it's really well done it's cutting back and forth really nicely they have a great setup but i just really enjoyed i feel like so many people get casey on and it's so easy to just talk about his daily vlogging and everything but phil phil and them have talked so many times that they went a lot deeper into just what his life is like outside of being a creator. And now that he's an LA kid. Yeah, now that, well, he keeps, <laughs> Phil keeps calling him a former YouTube star. Um, <laughs> now which that is he's hilarious. not daily vlogging. Yeah. yeah. There's I'm, one story in particular about uh, how he, how it's tough as a creator to talk poorly about things and how he had this video where he was gonna like expose this restaurant that he really likes when it wasn't really that bad, but it's just this hilarious 
story about how he knows so much about maple syrup and he ordered this $12 waffle that had maple syrup, pure maple syrup, and he knew it wasn't pure maple syrup and he ran all these tests to prove that it wasn't maple syrup and he was about to release the video and he felt too bad about the restaurant. (laughs) So That's such a Casey video. I know. It it sounds hilarious. I wish I could see it. Um, I just pictured him like slamming a jar of syrup down on the top down set and like shoving (laughs) a a meter into it to measure the sugar content. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'll definitely. I've I saw part of it. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but that's it's worth awesome. it. Just a lot of really fun stories. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I also got a little piece. So mm-hmm. John Rettinger, uh, another tech YouTuber who's yeah, done a lot of course. great stuff. He's been on a rampage of these incredibly thoughtful, not necessarily reviews, but just like thought pieces about the tech world yeah, lately. Yeah. And his big one, which was cinematography, cin- cinema, cinematographically, cinema. It was shot really well. <laughs> his his last video was um, what if there was no iPhone 11, but mainly just like what if Apple went bankrupt at in any of the points in history where they were close to getting like really yeah. put under. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple you know major points in history he goes over in that video that are just fascinating to think about. I did cameo in this video, so maybe mm-hmm. I'm a little biased. If you watch that intro, I'm in there. Um, but it's a it's a great piece to just sort of ponder. Uh, you know, what would have happened if Apple wasn't the most powerful company in the world right now? Yeah, it's it's like story-based, which is really cool because we don't see that in this tech niche yeah. that much. Um, and it's just great to have a, a breath of fresh air on something a little different. And it, yes, it shot beautifully. Is that like an Airbnb that like oh, 70s? All kinds of sets, oh, man, yeah. That, that like refrigerator and stuff and everything just looked- Set design incredible. goes incredible. a long way. I also want to say like I, I've been immersed in that world of retro tech for the past- couple months now that we've been shooting it and i'm definitely not going to spoil what it is but one of the episodes has a lot to do with a lot of what john talked about Mm -hmm. and yeah the the storytelling and just that story in general about that period in time with apple is really fascinating so go check that out and uh, a little plug for retro tech coming in december which is just what two short months away now it's wow it's coming up it's gonna feel like in a a week when we're just yeah, we're busting gonna be, out. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna be watching videos. a bunch of modern tech videos, and then suddenly, boom, retro tech right at the end of the year. It's gonna be great. Okay, well, yeah, that's that's a good little two setter for content to check out for the last two weeks. Um, here's what I want to talk about. I'm sure you do. Here's what I want to talk about: Porsche versus Tesla Part Two. Okay. So Let's we went see. over. You guys, you you were probably listening to the last episode of the podcast where we talked about Porsche Taycan, and I'm, I'm trying to say it correctly now, Porsche. Taycan is the way I'm supposed that, to be saying. I keep it. saying Taycan. Taycan. I say Porsche. Taycan. Habit. Porsche. Porsche. Um, but we all saw that announcement, and I don't even know if I can say that they technically took any shots at Tesla on stage. But everybody knew that every time they compared themselves to air quotes the competition, mm-hmm. they were talking about Tesla Model. It S. wasn't the Chevy Volt. It wasn't the Chevy oh, Volt. Man. They didn't really make any Nissan Leaf jabs on stage. <laughs> they were kind of going squarely at their high performance cousin. Um, so that happened and you know there's kind of silence and there's a little bit of you know people tagging elon like hey what uh what do you got to say about porsche and i think he did say something like yeah why did you put turbo in the name i don't think that word means what you think (laughs) it means um obviously in this electric car battle but of course the the competitive nature of uh of a competitive ceo just couldn't stay inside and he had to start making moves and I'm sure a lot of this was hush-hush for a while, but now they're officially working on 
uh, some new hardware for Tesla, and I would probably call this a refresh. Yeah. Um, to take on the Taycan, to take to take the Taycan, to take on the Ty, to to make moves. <laughs> so, here's where I'll start. Porsche was bragging about their lap time about the Nurburgring, right? Mm-hmm. Thirteen mile track, something like that. Very very long lap. Difficult for an electric car to lap without cooling kicking in and limiting performance. So they set their record around the Nurburgring. And a lot of people turn their heads back to Tesla, like, yeah, well, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Like, the the Porsche is gonna be better at driving around tracks than you. Yeah, we talked about it in the episode where we talked about this that yeah. Tesla hasn't been able to do it because it's a grueling track. Yeah, and a huge car. Yeah. Um. So, Elon tweets that the Model S is going to the Nurburgring. Okay. Like you, when you, a lot of people don't realize this about these track runs is you don't just show up in your car and just go and time yourself like this is a this is an officially timed thing you hire a professional driver who knows the course well so that he can set your optimal lap time if you go look at the the best lap times around i think it's both laguna seca and nurburgring but if you look at laguna seca's top like 30 lap times Mm -hmm. about 15 or 20 of them are set by the same one guy oh really in a bunch of different cars which is fascinating because this person knows the ins and outs of that track. So these race car drivers are hired to yo- to go drive and, and set the best possible lap time in that car. So Elon tweets this, Model S going to Nürburgring next week. Uh, and then a bunch of articles <laughs> come out afterwards like, he, Tesla doesn't have a reservation yeah. <laughs> or any sort of uh, setup or scheduling to actually do this. So if they're doing a record run, Nürburgring doesn't know about it, <laughs> which is kind of a perfectly Elon thing to happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then short, shortly thereafter, this the shorter track called Laguna Seca. Am I saying that right? I'm going to just mispronounce a lot of things during this. I think Laguna's right. There All right. We well, it's, so Laguna Seca is a shorter track. It's about a minute and a half to lap, maybe up to two minutes. And he shows a Model S lapping Laguna Seca in a record for a four-door car, one minute, 36 seconds. The The tweet is actually from the Tesla account this time. And they, let me actually read the tweet because okay. I was, we were in the airport when this tweet came up and I've been sort of just on the, on the fence about whether or not Tesla is going to refresh their cars. And then I saw this in my timeline. So let me read it. So the tweet is some personal news. We've lapped Laguna Seca in one minute, 36.555 seconds during advanced R&D testing of our Model S plaid powertrain and chassis prototype. That's one second faster than the record for a four door sedan. And you can see this video of, uh, of a, dri- from you know, like the driver's from seat. the driver's perspective and through the front of the car, and if you squint, you can see there's a Model Three steering wheel on this car, and there's a driver in a helmet, assuming not his first lap, but he's doing this crazy fast lap. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, what? What is a plaid power chain yeah, that- and a chassis prototype? What's going on? This here? is when we were sitting in the Austin airport because San Francisco is a nightmare to fly out of right Absolutely now. Absolutely wrecked. Yeah, so we're just like completely exhausted sitting in this airport marquez is like wait they just did laguna seca wait it's a model three steering wheel wait what is this weird badge on the back like there's there's a lot of questions raised from that i tweeted at them i didn't get any answers but i'm like what is a plaid powertrain is this different from my current powertrain turns out when you look into it so during the roadster reveal which was really the semi-truck reveal but the roadster reveal of the new Roadster, they talked about the Plaid powertrain being triple motors. Two motors in the back, one in the front for the Roadster. That's how it goes Plaid, which is just 
another word for faster than ludicrous mode. Yeah, it's Absurdly a Spaceballs fast. reference if yeah. you're not aware of it. So I see all these tweets and I start looking up and it turns out there's rumors that there's a Model S with a Plaid triple motor powertrain and they're testing this triple motor Model S with an updated sort of racing style, not racing style, but a slightly modified chassis um, that will eventually be a spec that you can buy. So this is... I'm going to say this is a direct response to Porsche. Like, y- y- I can't, like, verify any of this. None of this is directly referencing Porsche. But once you have the this, this shot fired of the Taycan and the lap times and this being the clear, obvious advantage for the Porsche, and then Tesla comes back with their still much cheaper car, but them saying, hey, look, we're going to do lap times now, and we're going to set records with our lap times. Um, and I think even... Some people were tweeting at Elon trying to get more information about it. Um, and he said something about this is going to be faster than but cheaper than the competition. He didn't say what, quote, the competition is, but I'm going to say that's that's the Porsche. So yeah. I think we have competition to thank for this. For sure. I, I'm sure they've been developing it, obviously, for a while, but it's way too coincidental that the laps start coming out yeah. right here. So this is perfect timing. Yeah. So there's actually some spy shots of, uh, I guess some people took some telephoto shots through a fence of what they saw was some testing of what was going on. So sort of behind the scenes of that Tesla tweet of advanced R&D testing. And there's a red Tesla Model S, looks like a normal Model S at first. Mm-hmm. But if you squint a little bit, on the back they have a P100D plus badge, which is kind of weird because they stopped using the P100D yeah. uh, name. They just put dual motor and performance on the back now. but P100D plus, so that would assume better than the current P100D, mm-hmm. um, but still a 100 kilowatt hour battery, I guess. And uh, it's got a, a bit of a bigger spoiler for more downforce. Mm-hmm. It's got a bigger air intake right above the front splitter, yeah, the front. much bigger. And uh, it's got these big tires on the back. And I, I'm assuming a slightly lighter chassis, but big, big tires that sort of flare out on the back for better traction. So this is a full-on new Plaid spec for Model S. And to top it all off, Elon tweeted, and this is a sort of a good news, bad news situation. Yeah. (laughs) He tweeted that it's coming up at the end of next year, October, November, 2020. And here's my theory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I hate that this is the theory, but it's probably true. We were kind of all assuming the Roadster 2020 was delayed. It wasn't coming out in 2020. Uh, Now we pretty much know it's not. It's coming out after the Plaid Model S and Model X. That's confirmed because didn't he reply to one of your tweets that Roadster would be after Plaid Model Train? Yeah, so powertrain. Yeah, so there's going to be a Model S and Model X that get a certain slightly more expensive, but still less expensive than Porsche Plaid powertrain. Uh, That will be at the end of next year, and then Roadster Plaid powertrain will come after that. Which means if they're starting production at the end of next year, I don't expect to see Roadster at all in 2020. So unless it sneaks in in December, just to spite you, yeah. Which is go ahead, Elon, spite him. I'm sure he won't mind. Please spite (laughs) me. Please ruin my my prediction and come out at the end of 2020. But yeah, I don't expect that. So there's all kinds of crazy back and forths happening now with Porsche and Tesla. There's also rumors that Tesla finally did circuit the Nurburgring, and this is this is purely rumors at this point. I don't think there's any sort of confirmation, but so the record time set by the Taycan was 7 minutes and 42 seconds. The rumored time set by the Plaid Model S was 7 minutes 23 seconds. So that's 20 Jeez, seconds faster, yeah. which is not a small amount of time for an improvement. So that's just generally great for electric cars to be making strides 
this quickly forward. Um, it's bad news that the Roadster's delayed, but also he's tweeted that it's definitely, I think he said absolutely going to beat the all-time record for a, a production car around the Nürburgring, which is like six minutes and 44 seconds or something <laughs> wild like that. So yeah, yeah, I mean, just a jumbling of good news and bad news all in the name of competition. I'm just happy the competition's pushing things forward. But uh, but sad you're losing Roadster for possibly another year. Yeah, I, I think I'd already kind of given up hope, so it doesn't hit me as hard as it would have if this was the first time I'd suspected it was delayed, but um, yeah, it's just a whole spiral of news. That's all right. So now that you've dug yourself into the delayed Roadster depression, uh, <laughs> let's talk about some phones before you get too sad. Uh, sure. So do you want to let everyone know how the iPhone is treating you and then maybe dive into this swimming pool filled by Pixel 4 leaks? <laughs> yes, let's get into that right after this break. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic's dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, we're back. So iPhone 11 Pro. This was the latest. We saw a couple iPhone videos in the past couple weeks. The first impressions of the iPhone 11, the iPhone 11 Pro, the unboxings of the green, and the reviews live. Have you you still like the green now that you've seen it in person? I don't like it as much. Really? Surprisingly. Okay. I'm sure a lot of people when we did the last podcast were like, bullshit, Andrew, you've seen the green, but we were waiting <laughs> to save it for an unboxing, so I actually didn't open it and yeah. didn't get to see it. It's much less green than I thought. Um, it, and even like the video we made, it it's so hard to tell what it actually looks like until you see it in person because it changes based on lighting and whatnot. It's definitely leaning way more gray than I, than green from what I was expecting. Yeah, that, you can't really put too much. I mean, a lot of people are just going to put a case on it anyway, so mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah, it does. It's one of those finishes that looks different in different lights. Comes off a little more gray sometimes. Comes off a little more green. But the iPhone 11 Pros are in. The reviews are in. The focus of the phone is pretty much the camera. That's the main thing that we're focusing on. That's a that's a pun, by that's the way. A, yeah, I'm pun, just going to keep saying it over intended. and over. So that was the focus of the review is the camera. That's our focus, the camera. It's the focus. Okay, anyway. So I think the main question that pretty much everyone has is, are these cameras the best in any phone now? Are they better than the Pixel? Are they better than Samsung? Are they better than Huawei? For me, um, in daylight i mean you can watch the review but i think in daylight this takes the best photos now okay. of any smartphone um i think it's sort of a coin flip if it's actually better than the pixel sometimes in regular standard daylight but it's pretty much a plus quality mm -hmm. and then you get into lower light and the night mode is where things begin to stratify again 
And I think you can basically, you can tell now, and I think, oh man, the, the night mode sort of bracket that we do of the blind smartphones is gonna be really interesting. Yeah. Because they are much more different from each other at night. Um, the pixel at night really tends to over-exaggerate bringing things into light it'll it'll basically turn night into day okay it'll turn the black sky a little brighter into blue it'll it'll crank every light it possibly can and saturate everything and it's this really dramatic crazy photo and the effect is really cool but the iphone on the other hand is doing a much more i guess responsible job of not Mm -hmm. blowing out every sort of detail it's mainly just combining these longer exposures to make things more visible and more detailed and not crank up the sharpness and detail and saturation. Yeah, so it still feels like a nighttime photo rather exactly, than- Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, if you put them side by side, you're gonna say, oh, the pixel, it's just way brighter on the pixel. It's clearly done a better job with night mode. But the more you pixel peep and inspect, you can do crazy stuff by editing the iPhone's photo, which some people are into, mm. um, but there's all sorts of other preferences people may have. So I'm gonna leave that up to uh, the blind smartphone camera test when we actually get to it. But I think uh, the difference between these cameras is more apparent in night mode and in daytime you know especially in videos it's this thing takes amazing 4k videos um i have not taken any slow motion selfies uh yet say i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna say it um but yeah that's uh that's where we're at so far with the cameras so it's been pretty great i highly advise uh watching the review that's where the opinions are so uh think we have a, a couple pixel leaks to talk about a few a couple a couple like one or two photos some blurry I, photos a one or two fo- actually one one article title was here are 21 more photos of the google <laughs> pixel 4 I, I think i'm enjoying oh pixel leaks gosh. just because of the titles of articles at this point it's pretty funny this sort of leak versus promo culture that we're in like right at this very moment especially with the pixel is fascinating to me like if you look back so yes the pixel remember the pixel 3 leaks yeah that phone leaked so much you basically didn't have to go on stage and say anything you could just go yep here's the price buy like they didn't uh, actually have to do and any there's announcement. no pixel 3 ultra yeah they could have <laughs> just done that and we would have been like all right confirmed everything is true um and it, it kind of feels like that waterfall of leaks it has been surpassed yet again with Pixel 4. But in a much stranger way this year, I feel like, uh, the one thing that kind of confused everyone is when we first started getting those little bit of leaks, mm-hmm. Google's just like, oh, here you go. This is what it looks like. And just yeah. tw- it was back in June, they tweeted about it. So there was the rumors of the quad camera back or the camera square on the back. Yeah. And they just went, you know what? Here's a picture. This is the back of the phone. Now use this image for the rest of your talking about the phone. This is it. Mm-hmm. And we went, wow, that's crazy. Google's embracing the, the leak culture by leaking it themselves. That's not what's happening, but okay, we'll just go with that. Um, but now now we've seen a literal, like a 10-minute a Vietnamese unboxing and review video of the entire phone a month before it comes out. Yes, yeah, so it, it quieted down a bunch. Uh, I wonder if people just weren't looking. I, I don't know. We just didn't have that many leaks. And then I think I talked about article titles before nine to five google has these i'm going to read two article titles that are like six days apart number one fewer leaks and far less hype is it bad for the google pixel 4 that was september 6th on september 13th actually i think google pixel 4 is leaked enough now thanks (laughs) that's less than a week later Oh my God. I don't so, know what happened. Whatever dam was holding back the leaks didn't just start it just, leaking more. Fucking Michael Bay came in and blew it the hell up. Yeah. 
the doors are off, man. Everything you need to know about the phone, the design, the way it looks, the features, looks like we know it's 90 hertz, the Android 10 feature-specific stuff, like the coral colorway. I actually love that there was, um, there's so many leaks now, you just sort of read a headline and you're like, oh, now we know something new about the phone. There was a headline about how Google has confirmed the coral color of the phone in a Times Square ad. And you're like, all right, we knew the we knew there was a coral color. Google just puts a picture of the phone in Times Square on a billboard. And we kind of riffed back and forth on that on Twitter for a little bit. Like Google accidentally just reveals the, everything about the <laughs> phone before it comes out. Like Google talks about, Neil's reply was Google uh, Google accidentally reveals Pixel 5 on stage during <laughs> Pixel 4 event. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't exactly do a great job. Do you think this is intentional? That's my question. Honestly, no, but like I don't blame people for thinking it is. I mean, you, you have a bunch of leaks that come out right around the Apple event. It's, it's, it's it, hard. You would like to think that that's intentional, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it I don't think it is. I don't I honestly don't. I think anyone who can plan that well would probably put more than six gigs of RAM oh in the God. Pixel yeah, 4. But no. <laughs> oh, okay. So here's here's a perfect here's what I think it they tried to do one thing and it ended up being another thing. So the Pixel leaked a lot last year. So they probably went behind the scenes and they were like, All right, guys, the phone's gonna start to leak and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna be these social geniuses and we're gonna just start embracing leak culture and leaking the phone ourselves and posting promo images and that'll get people hyped and it'll be perfect and it'll go hand in hand and at the event we'll make some joke on stage about how you might have seen this before Mm -hmm. and then it'll go great everyone will love it and then (laughs) everything about the phone leaked before they got to say anything and i think what they were trying to do is kind of what oneplus does if you've noticed the past i think like three generations of phones now OnePlus basically says everything about their phone before it comes out. Mm-hmm. But they do this sort of a slow dribble of like one spec at a time every couple of days. And they'll give an official source like their CEO or their official account will just tweet or say a new spec or a new thing to keep people talking about the phone. Yeah, it keeps so, it in the cycle. Exactly. It keeps it on your mind. It keeps it in the headlines. One day you'll see one oh one plus seven pro will have a higher f- or something about a smooth focus and you're like ooh I think that means it's going to be higher refresh rate oh interesting cool and then the next day they'll be like oh it'll have up to twelve gigs of RAM and now there's a new article about how the one plus seven pro might have twelve gigs of RAM then the next day they're like we have a special charging solution and you're like ooh I wonder what that <laughs> is and you just keep talking about the phone and talking about the phone. Um, I think that's probably what Google would have wanted to do with Pixel 4. And they had, you know, that little ad that they, they shared a video of like a, a gesture of like swiping on like kind of what LG did, like mm-hmm. waving your hand in front of the phone. I bet they planned on sharing that once some something about the top bezel leaked, they would have been like, trust me, it's for a good reason. Uh-huh. But dude, everything, it's so out there now. You can't hide anything. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that they coordinated some Vietnamese channel to get the phones and do entire, like we're at a whole nother level where we're not just getting, what was it last year? Wasn't it like someone in Russia got a bunch of like black market prototypes of it? It kind of almost did go this far. I remember there was actually review, there were multiple reviews of the phone in other languages before the phone actually came out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a month before the phone came out. One of that, it's like, it's really a month before the phone's supposed to be. I remember some like quick videos. These, this whatever this Vietnamese channel is, I don't know who they are, but they know what they're doing. These yeah. aren't these are sit down, framed up 
videos with a purpose and they're just reviewing the phone and we're getting to look through all the settings. Man, I remember back in my day, leaks were just a, a half resolution blurry photo of the back of someone's hand. I remember when that's when, I remember it was an insane, insane story that someone left an iPhone in a bar. One iPhone, <laughs> one iPhone, and they got the cops called on them, and it was a whole dramatic deal, and it involved a whole company getting blacklisted, and now it's just outpour, just a constant downpour. It's basically like standing in the rain. If leaks in 2009 were like a faucet leaking a little bit of, of water, just when you, you thought you turned it off, but there's a little bit extra going through, the leaks... <laughs> for a new phone in September 2019 are like standing outside in the rain with no jacket on and just getting dumped on. So speaking of leaks, I think one of the most curious things we're trying to figure out with this new Pixel that hasn't already been leaked is this new camera system. Um, I've mentioned this before, pretty much everyone now has an ultra-wide camera and up until the last month it was just Apple and Google as the main big ones that didn't have an ultra-wide. So now that Apple has an ultra-wide, What's the rumor on the Pixel's camera system? I don't think so. I still don't think so. Still I mean, no ultra-wide. No. I mean, so there is a new leak. There's some photo of a guy taking a picture out his window, which also, if you're taking a picture outside of the place that you work, you're probably just dead on giving away who's leaking this. But I <laughs> oh, this is a leak? I'm assuming. I oh mean, it's something God. I've seen. It's so hard for me to keep track of where all these leaks are coming from. But there's a photo of a guy taking a picture of buildings outside his window. Okay. And you can see in the corner the little slider in the camera app, and it slid all the way to the right, and it just says eight times on it. Okay. So people are now speculating some sort of eight times zoom. I don't know if that's mm. digital zoom on top of it or yeah. If you zoom into eight x, you can zoom into eight x on the iPhone, and it'll say eight x, but that's a software zoom from a two x lens. So yeah. I guess this is just sort of people are hoping, guessing, hoping. I'm hoping. I was, I, ah, man, I was hoping for an ultra wide, obviously. But now, if it's a telephoto, I hope it's at least three x. Yeah, I hope it's something more than just two x, because we've talked about in the iPhone stuff how the two x isn't that fun. It's I mean, cool. I could rant for. I've probably ranted already about this, at least in a video, or maybe in a podcast, or maybe just Twitter. But you can fake a telephoto with software. You can't really fake it an ultra wide unless you get an ultra wide lens. They had the ultra wide on the front. For crying out loud. Like they know how useful the ultra wide stuff is. And they're actually one of the first and best to do the ultra wide on the front. So I'm kind of shocked. I really, I, that's the thing is I don't want to keep holding out hope. Like maybe it is an ultra wide because I feel like we kind of know everything about the phone mm -hmm. already now, but that's kind of a strange thing for them to choose. We talked about how two phones, Apple and Google are the ones without ultra wide. I fully expected Pixel to have it first. And I hope for Pixel to have it first because we like it so much, but I don't know. So do you think this is going to be your, your next phone since you've been on Pixel 3 and you haven't experienced higher refresh rates yet? This will be like your first higher refresh rate phone, the natural upgrade from the Pixel 3? I think it's hard to say no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll definitely, yeah, it will be. Okay. Uh, I think what, so 90 hertz is also confirmed. I think since last time we talked, I think right. it was still a rumor last time we talked about it, but they've gone through settings. So it's definitely 90 hertz. Mm -hmm. Six gigs of RAM. Not bad. Not great. Not bad. It's an up. Grade. It's kind of weird because we just learned the iPhone has four, but like nobody's really that worried about iPhone RAM numbers. They've proven yeah. that they can stick with it. There's a couple numbers you don't have to spend a lot of time on when it comes to iPhones, and that's battery size, RAM number, and I guess camera megapixel count. Obviously, iOS and their hardware are so well optimized that you can get away with a physically smaller battery 
when the pipeline is that tightly controlled. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the cameras and same thing with the RAM. So iPhones just tend to have less RAM and smaller batteries, but they perform pretty well. So yeah, six gigs of RAM on an Android phone, not the best number. Pixel's probably biggest issue with a lot of their phones is just they start slowing down and we've seen that and it's pro there's a good chance it's the RAM. It's what some of the lowest RAM we see in a lot of the flagship Android phones. Yeah. And they seem to be slowing down before a lot of other ones. So huh. if there was a phone I would want more RAM in, it'd probably be Pixel. I'm probably still going to get it anyways because, you know, it works great. We're lucky and we get to use phones a little more. We get to upgrade a little more often here. Yeah. But I kind of wonder if the one thing we don't know about the Pixel might turn out to be the most important part of it because it feels weird saying out loud six gigs of RAM is not enough in a phone. But the price of the Pixel. True. Six gigs of RAM doesn't seem like enough in a $900 phone, right? No. Like when you think about like all the, the cheaper phones that have 12 gigs of RAM and all the other $1,000 phones that have at least eight gigs of RAM, usually upwards of that, six gigs on a $1,000, $900 phone feels like not enough. But if the Pixel 4, the highest end version is 700 bucks, then does that make it like sting a little less? Yeah, it makes it sting less and... I mean, ultimately, you're right. If you're paying $900, you want a phone that lasts a long time and higher RAM is going to be better for that. Yes, yeah. six gigs of RAM is plenty for a phone, but like right. you're future-proofing. You want this phone for arguably two years. I think most phone contracts are two years, so you want it to be and maybe I just hope, for a while. I just hope Android 10 does a better job of RAM management. You would think that an and a Google-built phone would have that sort of optimization the same way Apple could, and they wouldn't need tons of RAM. And that's kind of what we were hoping with Pixel 3, but it didn't happen. So that's another thing to keep our fingers crossed for. My other question for you is, it's definitely not going to happen this time, but do you think Pixel needs to start releasing 3A at the same time as the oh, new? Well, here, or sorry, it's going to be 4A, I'm assuming. So Right. So here's the weird thing about Google's timing with their phones. Because they're coming out in near the end of the year, September, October, they are right at the end of the cycle for phones that are using the latest version of, of Qualcomm Silicon, Snapdragon 855. Yeah. This is like the end of the cycle for Snapdragon 855. And then right after Pixel 4 comes out, Snapdragon 865 right, is around, around the corner. Mm -hmm. So all year we've had these phones with Snapdragon 855, 855 plus, this one's gonna come out and then boom, it's outdated. So it's kind of this weird uh, spot to release your phone. It doesn't affect others as much because they're earlier in the year. Um, so if they are to do Pixel 4 and Pixel 4a at the same time, I'd want them pushed a little back, like right maybe December, which is kind of late, or maybe pushed forward so that they're not like right about to be outdated. But they are in this sort of a weird pocket in the calendar where it feels like they're just waiting to get outdated instantly. Yeah, it just feels weird to me that people, so many people when 3a came out, they're like, Sh Andrew, should I upgrade to the Pixel 3a? It's not an upgrade. It's new, but it's not an upgrade. Yeah. Like I had friends that had the Pixel 3 and asked me if they should get the 3A. No. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. It's pretty simple, but it just feels like a really weird, why are you releasing the worst model later? And just like along the same lines of why not build all the hype together? Pixel 3A didn't have a lot of hype behind it when it came out. They had some commercials and whatnot, but like why not just put all the hype together so when people are going to Verizon to grab a Pixel, but they don't want to spend, hopefully not $900, but $900, they can get that smaller version. We're seeing iPhone do it now with the XR or just the yeah, iPhone so there's, 11. There's a couple other companies that are doing two phone releases that I that came to mind. That's one of them, iPhone mm -hmm. 11 versus iPhone 11 Pro, all at the same time. Yeah. Last year, 
iPhone 10R came out a month after iPhone 10. It was all announced S. at the same time. It was all right? announced at the yeah. same time, slight difference in, in launch time. And then there's OnePlus where you have, you know, two things again sort of staggered during the year. So OnePlus 7 came out a different time from OnePlus 7 Pro. And they have a couple, I think this year they're going to have about a month between them. So there's OnePlus 7T and OnePlus 7T Pro. Okay. And just diving right into that, they seem to just be doing the same thing they did last year, where they're slowly confirming things one by one. Um, those things include both of the phones now will have 90 hertz displays. Uh, I think they're going to keep the same stratus between the prices. There's going to be a mid-range priced one and a upper mid-range priced one. Careful and how you <laughs> exactly yes yeah, six six forty six sixty nine I think is like upper mid range, um, but yeah they're they're gonna have they they showed the design already they show that there's gonna be a matte blue color again there's gonna be a giant camera circle with triple cameras so they're they're sort of slowly trickling the same spec leak that people were thinking about with uh with other phones and and sort of owning it yeah that circle leak is. Isn't that what we all thought the 7 was going to be? Do you remember that uh, oh. it was like inside some office looking at a PowerPoint and some guys holding up this phone with yeah. a big black circle on the back of it? Turns out they were leaking their own OnePlus 7T. They're just, they were two steps ahead of us. They're just... 40 chess, 40 OnePlus. chess, man. 200 IQ stuff out here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they definitely uh, have a lot going for them in the in the new phones. And I think it'll be interesting to see if there is a... like. So imagine a 90 hertz display on a OnePlus 7T that's like 500 bucks. That's a pretty convincing, you know, Oxygen OS, Snapdragon 855, probably eight gigs of RAM. Like you fill out the rest of the spec sheet and it seems like a pretty great deal. Um, we'll have to see how good some of the things like camera and battery turn out. Yeah, but it's really always, always that. That's what it comes down to with OnePlus, yeah. I guess, right? How good is the camera? How bad is the camera? How good is the battery? How bad I is the battery? I think it's more, yeah. How okay is the camera? And is it? How passable is the camera? <laughs> yep. <laughs> How acceptable How is this camera? How everyone wants their camera to be yeah. uh, rated as passable, acceptable. Uh... Yeah. I don't know if it'll be a spectacular camera, but, you know, we'll see how they do. All right. Well, that's a lot of leak talk. Let's get back to present time. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll go ahead and do some Q&A. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? 
not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. All right, so we have a couple different questions about 5G. One of them at the top here is how long will it take for 5G to roll out in most cities in the world? Other people wondering about just generally why doesn't the new iPhone have 5G? Will the Pixel have 5G? Will these new phones have 5G, etc.? cetera? Uh, if you watched our 5G explain video, you'll kind of know it's it's not ready yet. Like not it's close, even yeah. if you were to get a 5G phone today, which you can, I did, uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be the best 5G experience. You'd mainly be on 4G all the time. And by the time you did get on 5G for those like nine seconds of your day, you walk past the tower, uh, you know, you're, what are you downloading? If you happen to be downloading something at that point, it'll be great, but 5G is not ready yet. So I'm not shocked that the new iPhone doesn't have 5G. I I'm wouldn't expect the 2020 iPhone to have 5G. I don't think so. As much as I'm expecting from that phone, I don't think 5G is one of those things. Yeah, and I feel like some people's argument is, well, uh, I'm buying 5G now. 5G is going to be back soon. Right, okay. I don't know. Also, if you're the kind of person who's that excited for 5G, I, I bet you you're upgrading your phone before 5G actually becomes mainstream. That's exactly true. And the other thing is uh, people don't buy their phones based on what they think might be a thing in two or three years. They buy the phone they want now. I want to take good pictures. What takes good pictures now? Because you can always wait for the next great phone to have you know, a better camera. So if you just want to take the best camera you have right now, you just pick the best camera you have right now, and then you buy the phone with it. Yeah, you, you don't need the iPhone 11 right now. Slow fees will be cool in two years, and I'm sure everything <laughs> oh else will have them. That's the thing is you're kind of right. <laughs> That's actually going to be a feature in like all the newest Android phones. No, I, I don't think 5G is super critical at the moment. And uh, in the next two years, we'll start to see if it can roll out faster than it has. But uh, I wouldn't cross my fingers for like a, a OnePlus 7 or a Pixel 4 with 5G. Don't need it. And if it has it, you won't be using it? Yeah. I know you typically prefer Android to iOS. Is there anything that Apple could change about their software that would get you to prefer it? Uh, interesting. Well, there's a bunch of customization stuff right off the bat. I love my widgets. Mm -hmm. I love my, I love me some custom icon packs, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, so that would, that would instantly give it the edge that it has not had for a very long time. Um, and then I just, I guess generally the ability to have different hardware choice. I think a lot of what I prefer about Android isn't just the software, but it's that you can pick between like a hundred phones instead of three. So if you if you feel like you're cool with iOS, then that's great. But you have really you know three or four phones to pick from right now: iPhone 11, 11 Pro, 11 Pro Max, 10R, 10. I guess yeah, that's it. So that's you it. you don't get a whole ton of choice. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, well, I I want a high refresh rate. I don't care as much about the battery because I can fast charge. I do want wireless charging. I don't care as much about waterproofing. And I'm going down the tree of like 70 different phones I can pick from. Uh, I don't think that's something that Apple will just decide to do is make 70 different no, phone no. options. Um, but yeah, I think those main little things of customization to make the phone look and feel and act exactly the way I want it, 
especially in the UI, is something that I would love to see. That That's exactly how I feel in the sense of I cannot stand seeing iPhones with the 50 buttons on the front. Like if you look yep. at my phone right now, it's it's completely clean. I think there's five icons. Most of them are folders and then app drawer. Like I just want my front, my home screen to be completely clean. It has a clock. It has a nice looking background, notifications at the top, a couple buttons on the bottom. I went through a phase on Android and this was a couple years ago where I had a wallpaper that had like some cool designs on it and I had absolutely no icons on my home screen, but I had invisible widgets over mm-hmm. certain areas of the wallpaper where if I pressed like the head of the snake, it would open the camera. Like I had <laughs> all these setups, like I had the cleanest Android setup, man. It was super, super minimal. Uh, I remember a certain one I had very vividly, it was black and yellow. And at the bottom it had a text uh, box that just said phone in text. <laughs> it wasn't an icon, it was just part of the wallpaper. And I had a little invisible, you know, widget over there. I just tap the phone, text, and just open the phone. I don't know, something about that. You can't really do that on an iPhone. So the customization is real. Okay, I have one from Orchestra. Uh, how long do you think it will take for foldable technology to really mature to to be normal and mainstream? And this is uh, this kind of, I mean, if you look at the current first generation, I need a trajectory. I need a first gen and a second gen to like extrapolate and go forward. So right now, all I have is your first gen Huawei Mate X, your first gen Galaxy Fold, and your first gen, uh, God, what is it called? Royale Ro- FlexPi. Royale FlexPi to judge from. And uh, if I'm just looking at that, it doesn't seem like a very fast, ex- like, ex- like next year it'll be ready to go. Like it doesn't seem like it's gonna go that quickly. Maybe kind of like 5G. I might have made that exact parallel in the video. 5G is oh. like a folding phone. Um, but I do think in maybe, let's give it a, let me let me put a number on it. Let me say in four generations. Four. Galaxy Fold 4. Galaxy Fold 4 is mainstream folding technology. Galaxy Fold 4 is no longer an exuberant price and it is worthy of considering a main phone for a lot of people. So around 2023, if you're I assuming- I think I'm pretty optimistic about this, but I think, yeah that would be a pretty great trajectory for folding phones. I think worst case scenario, probably more like eight, nine years before anyone, or it'll just die like modular phones, which is, that's a sad I don't think it's gonna die. I see it being somehow incorporated into the future. Okay, yeah. No, I I think it's much more, uh, they both had the same, I think modular phones and folding phones have the same like positive possible outcome but I think folding phones are much more reasonable to assume that you can attempt it and make money from it, while modular phones were kind of a scrambled business model and a difficult thing to expect one Mm -hmm. company to do well. So I think folding phones do have that future. So here's my, I I like agree with you. I think it's gonna take a long time, but then um, that's also how I felt about in-display fingerprint sensors. And that blew onto the scene way, way quicker than I thought it was gonna be. I remember doing the Vivo, Vivo Next? It was the Next 21. Or or the X20. It was Vivo X21, then the Vivo Next, right? Yeah. And that was not great. Slow. Slow, slow. pretty, very deliberate, like, press on the screen for it to work. How many years ago was that? Two years? I don't even think that was Three years ago? Not even? No, no, no. It definitely wasn't three years ago. I did a video of, like, a durability test of a fingerprint scanner, and that was, like, basically the first scanner to be built into a retail phone that was a vivo phone what year was that 
One year ago was the unboxing. That was one year ago? Oh, wait, wait. Or less than two years ago, probably a year and change. February 2018, I see, is when that video came out of when we went to that hotel and like actually used the in-display fingerprint reader for the first time. That's February. Oh, I wasn't there for that. February of 2018. Okay. That is less than two years ago. And that's good it's now. gotten pretty impressive. We're getting to the point where they're now now not just like very fast and in a lot of phones, but they're expanding so you have bigger areas on the screen. That's to what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I would love to see, and I, I think this is the general path of the advancement, and there was even a prototype phone that did this, but of like a large area on the bottom of the phone. So I don't have to land it on the exact yeah. like spot in the middle of the icon every time. I don't have to memorize that placement. It'll kind of become muscle memory of just like touching somewhere on the bottom third of the phone and the fingerprint sensor is big enough to just read your finger in high resolution anywhere you put it. That's the dream of the future. I think that's an expensive part still. It's a For sure. It's literally a CMOS sensor, I think, at this point. So still pretty tough. Um, I don't know if ultrasonic is going to have that same possibility. We'll see. But yeah, you're right. The The acceleration of in-display fingerprint readers is is optimistic. Yeah, I feel like you would have had a similar answer if in February 2018 someone said, where do you see in-display fingerprint sensors becoming a mainstream? I ah, wouldn't. interesting. I think, I can't. I obviously can't look backwards in time, mm-hmm. but if I think if you asked me after that 2018 video, where do you see this going forward? I think I probably would have said like, in five years, all the phones will have this. We're and almost there. It's it's two years in, and we're kind of at like almost saturation for in-display fingerprint readers. A couple more phones left to go, notably the iPhone yeah. and the Pixel, but we're close. Oh, here's another question from Adrian Sorbo. Does your team know what the K stands for? Yes. <laughs> and that's where that ends. <laughs> also, some the same person, I think, asked, how just for you, how, mm-hmm. how does the Pixel compare with the Note? Not a creep, just someone that's watched your streams, in parentheses. Yeah, I know. I remember Adrian. I haven't <laughs> streamed in forever, and I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't really plan on doing it anytime yeah. soon, but um, how does it compare? I loved my Note 8. I'm one thing I'm still surprised about with my Note 8 is I didn't put a case on that. That's got to be easily the most breakable phone I've ever owned. Didn't put a case on it. Glass sandwich. Just had a skin on it and it it survived. I've never been more proud. And then the minute I got my Pixel 3, I'm like, no way I can do this again for another yeah, year. That's another and put a case phone. on it instantly. Um, biggest biggest difference obviously is the camera. Um, I run max instagram account that's my real full-time job <laughs> um, mkbhd is second so nice. i need to have a better camera so pixel really brought it up there if you're not following mac also i don't think i've ever mentioned in this podcast max full-time uh, about just we haven't talked about mac at all yeah uh mac is the dog if you're not aware he's been in lots of our videos um his instagram handle is pictures of mac yep uh, I spend a lot of time on it. People always are like, he's so photogenic. He's not. He's really not. Um, he's adorable. <laughs> he's a good looking dog, you know, generally. Yeah, but it's it takes a lot of effort to get a good picture of oh, him. I see. Um, and we, if you see those camera tests that we post on, on our videos, there's a lot of treats being given out <laughs> behind them. So he's Have you, fattening did you, up a bit. Have you noticed at all a difference between like on the Instagram account of uh, note photos versus pixel photos? Bet if I went back, you could tell specifically. And I mean, it's also, it's a year difference. It was no eight. And then I hopped to pixel three. So it's kind of like how everyone right now is comparing iPhone 11 to pixel three. I saw this True. great meme of like, 
<laughs> these two guys running and it's just like the iPhone 11s on the on one side looking all sweaty and there's this guy just busting ass behind him and it's just like Pixel 4 saying look ahead on your left and about to pass him so yeah. it it's hard to compare the two um I totally miss the screen I I think I would say Pixel or I was thinking of this recently Note 9 might be my favorite looking phone because it has no notch the bezels don't upset me at all sure the screen's incredible um yeah yeah that's honestly the the number one thing i always miss when i leave a note is just the form factor and the display and the awesome color of it even if it's not high refresh rate it just looks incredible yeah so so yeah so pixel best advantage of it was the camera biggest thing you're missing is the screen yeah actually i really do like all the swipe gestures and stuff that they added the taking away back button and stuff I've gotten really used to that and I really enjoy it. So I, I think I'm going to keep going Pixel until they upset me. Maybe six gigs of RAM ups, upsets we'll me, but I have a feeling I'll just be a Pixel for a while. So, oh, wait, actually, I I don't like the forehead on Pixel 4. It's Yeah, now that I've seen it more in detail in the videos, it's uh, it's looking pretty bad, yeah. that big forehead. I'll, I'll get used to it. I got used to this terrible notch that is yeah. the Pixel 3, but... It's one of those things where like some you can get used to it, that's fine, but that doesn't mean I have to admit it looks good. I don't right. think it looks good. It's it's kind of the same as like the iPhone back. And there's also I think something to like seeing something in a video or photo versus holding it in oh, your yeah. hand where it's like made of glass and you feel the weight of it and there's just something about that that makes it more tangible, but yeah, it doesn't look great. No. no. <laughs> Not at all. Just had to throw that out there. We we didn't talk about that in the Pixel Leaks before, but Big forehead, no chin, no bueno. Someone named Lamb- Lambest Meme asked, what phone would you rather see a higher refresh rate on, the 2020 Galaxy devices or the 2020 iOS devices? I'm going to rephrase that. I'm going to say, if you were betting, okay, who do you think would first embrace a higher refresh rate screen? The iPhone or the Samsung phone? I have an answer. Well, yeah, no, I have an answer. I have like a reason why both of them would do it. I'd be curious to hear your reason for Apple. My reason is Samsung for sure. Mm-hmm. And my reason is Samsung already makes, physically makes high refresh rate OLED displays for other companies' phones. So that's, it's funny <laughs> because that's sort of my answer for the iPhone is they already have the iPad Pro that has a higher refresh rate. Right. But then the other argument is the new iPhone doesn't come till next September. And we're going to get two new Samsung flagships between now and then. So even if the 2020 iPhone does have a higher refresh rate, which I really hope it does, mm-hmm. they should be a Note 11 and an S11 between now and then, and yeah. those both have a shot at higher refresh rate. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure they could pull one of those off. Let's just hope both of them have it. Let's just hope they all have it, mm-hmm. and we don't have to have an argument about them. But yeah, those are the last two holdouts it seems in the the super high end thousand dollar phone camp, and uh, I'm hoping they both. They both just get on the get on I, the train. I know someone from one of those companies is listening to this. Just put the damn. Just go ahead and just do it, please, please. Just go ahead. Okay, favorite car that's not a Tesla. Let's just go. Let's go. Favorite car that's not Tesla and is it is it EV? I want to hear a non EV answer. Right. My answer is stupid. My answer is really dumb. Okay. <laughs> and this is like none of this is relatable at all because my only the only cars I've ever driven are a Toyota Camry hybrid that I owned before this, a Tesla Model S P100D, 
an Acura NSX supercar, <laughs> and a McLaren 720S. Those are the cars that I've driven for more than a week, personally. Mm -hmm. So my favorite non-Tesla is a McLaren 720S. That's such a stupid <laughs> yeah. answer. It's but favorite it's, car, we're not saying. Yeah, it's not like I would rather drive that right now if the Tesla didn't exist. That's not what I would pick, obviously, but that is my favorite non-Tesla that I've driven, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm a little different. I. I drive a, a Subaru Impreza because mm -hmm. um, I love its all-wheel drive. I've I've really grown to like Subaru a lot. Um, definitely for a while, like an STI is my dream car, was my dream car. Uh, was your dream car? Was my dream car. I think the STI is like my reasonable dream car. It's expensive, but it's not like, it's not a 720S. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say though, like if I had to go dream dream car, I really enjoyed that NSX we drove. Probably because of, still drove like a regular car when you wanted it to like you know it's it funny didn't feel like it had like almost the same steering wheel as that Acura MDX, MDX like yeah. a big car that we that I, I guess basically borrowed when my car was being fixed um but yeah all-wheel drive that was a very drivable two-door yeah it felt normal like driving it around when you weren't pushing it to its limits like you drove it around on a track but driving it I got to drive it to and from the track which was mm. way too much fun um <laughs> And yeah, it just drove really, really nicely. Whereas a 720S, as cool as it is, like I, Dude, I can't imagine it's, fu it's like terrifying. fun to like hit parking lots or speed bumps or okay. stuff like that. There's another thing though. It, it is kind of actually better than normal. This is all incredibly not relatable, but we drove the Lamborghini Aventador LP400 or something, mm -hmm. whatever it's called, for a couple days when we were in Palm Beach for a video about it for Autofocus. That car is legitimately annoying to drive. It is not fun if you're going around at like normal speeds in first and second gear and you like try to like tap on the gas to go forward it like lurches you mm. and then like you you slow back down and it lurches you forward trying to reverse and like do a k-turn in that car it's just not fun no um i guess k-turns aren't fun but whatever like you get the idea <laughs> it's not a great experience so the mclaren by comparison was very drivable i will say that like the the typical first gear like lurching was not happening okay it was much smoother. I could do K-turns and reverses and I'm just throwing it back and forth. And like as a daily car, got into my driveway, it was like a reasonable drive. Mm -hmm. So I guess that step between the Aventador, which I guess is, I have driven that too. That car was stupid, man. <laughs> and the, the McLaren 720S, that's pretty sweet. I've actually, I will, I'll throw one more thing out there. Um, McLaren makes a couple different GT cars and the McLaren 570 GT. Before I got my Tesla, when we were, I guess, making a video back back in the day when we were trying to make a video um, with the Karma, actually. Okay. And we yeah. went down and they had that garage full of McLarens and there was like a P1. We just kicked the tires of a giant, like million dollar mm -hmm. supercar collection. And um, they, I sat down in a McLaren 570 GT and he was like, you know, you could walk out of here with this car right now. And for a minute there, I was like, yeah, I could. <laughs> I kind of want to fire Andrew and he'd yeah, have to walk. I'd home, have to but... make some serious choices about how much storage. Yeah. <laughs> but that car, uh, the McLaren 570 GT specifically, I've watched a lot of videos about and it's kind of a mm -hmm. fascinating car. It's like a nice little two door drivable. They call it the daily supercar. I think McLaren hands down are the best looking supercars out there. I'm sure a lot of people will be very upset with that, but Lamborghini looks cool too rigid and at the risk of getting -like way into the weeds i loved the p1 which is their high-end one from a couple of years ago and then i really don't like the look of the senna which replaced it so the p1 okay. uh was a hybrid supercar that was just the 
if you guys haven't seen a P1, go ahead and right now just look up matte black P1. Just put those words into Google, switch to images, and just scroll for a little bit and enjoy the masterpiece that is hmm. the P1. Um, the Senna came out after that, not a great looking car, also a million dollars. Would never uh, want one. Hmm. It's a million dollar car that I would never want. It's that ugly. So they have they have their their hits and misses as far as supercar looks, but I, I will agree they're pretty generally great looking. Cool. So we just both sound like uh Yeah, so 15 <laughs> minutes of talking about supercars later, uh, my favorite car that's not a Tesla is a McLaren 720S. Sick. Uh, I have one from Matej Svancer who asks, what do you shoot first for a normal review, A-roll or B-roll? And I'm going to say it's usually B-roll. Almost always. Almost yeah. always B-roll. Um, if you ever wonder about the behind-the-scenes process of making a video, that might be worth its own entire podcast, maybe? Maybe sure. a whole video That might be a good like one that. to bring Vin and Brandon in. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, great idea. Um, but as of right now, yeah, we, we were shooting today, as of the recording of this, a whole bunch of B-roll for something that we haven't shot the A-roll for yet. So that's that's a pretty common thing. Um, mainly because I'm still tweaking the things I want to say about it and adding little bits of findings and pieces here and there. So once we do actually f- finalize the A-roll then everything can just get edited together quickly and seamlessly. Mm-hmm. So, And speaking yeah. of like special episodes kind of like that, it's something we've discussed about a lot. Since we've been talking about the podcast for a long time, we have a list of, of some really fun episodes we want to do. We just launched this in the midst of yeah. the crazy. Podcast topics are a whole whiteboard thing we've got going on mm-hmm. right now. And as of right now, it's just like, New tech, new tech, new tech, new tech. Like things are just coming out left and right. And so that's naturally what we're talking about. But I think once we calm down a little yeah, bit yeah. and we get back into like the Januaries and I mean, we're probably going to have a CES episode. That's kind of a mandatory thing, right? Yeah, just get everybody in here in oh, the hotel room on the mic. Nice. Yeah, that's going to be fun. But once we calm down a little bit, we'll have some more introspective, some more fun, collaborative, all sorts of other sort of types of episodes like that but yeah. i'm excited for that i really can't wait i've, I've seen a couple of people like oh i see phones on the channel all the time like i want the podcast to be more and it's gonna be yeah we just launched it right in the middle of phone season so like yeah. today's episode there's gonna be some phone stuff to start great timing like when, when we get in the, the retro tech stuff mm-hmm. we get into all the new camera gear we get into all the new behind the scenes we get into the interview stuff it's going to be good. So I feel like that's a good place to end it. That's just a great on place, talking yeah. about the podcast in general. But look, we're at episode five right now, which seems like a high number, but also a low number. We just started. So five is a pretty good place to be. But five is such a low number in the grand scheme of oh, things. Yeah. So definitely looking for your feedback as usual. And if you want to tweet us at WVFRM, you can do that. And uh, if you want to listen, if you want to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, that's welcome as well. And an honest one. If you want to give us five stars, if you want to tell us what we can do better. That'd be dope. Yeah, definitely an honest one. I, I actually have a challenge for the fans here. You have a challenge? A challenge. Okay. So we're at 2,500 ratings on Apple Podcasts right now. Um, That's amazing. I read them after every episode, by the way. If we can get to 5,000 ratings, and I'm not asking you to do five stars. I'm not asking for a good rating, a, a nice, honest rating. Okay. If we get to 5,000, I will do the Q&A of the next episode, Hot One Style. <laughs> you want to do does that mean you're gonna like make wings and bring i will make in i will cook wings spicy I will, food 
We have plenty of hot sauce over we there. We do actually I'm have sure the last sure we dab. can do it. We Maybe not 10. Maybe we'll do five and just start right in the middle. Oh my God. I'll do it. You'll do it. I've been uh, I've been kind of wanting to. Are you peer pressuring me into doing I'm it I'm not too? peer pressuring you, but just like they're not peer pressuring <laughs> last dab onto everyone, it sounds like you might have. You don't have to if you don't want to, Marquez, but. Well, I'll judge you. I'll just you. I'll just go in with you on that. Fine. You'll go in? So 5,000 ratings on Apple Podcasts sounds like a good target. And uh, if that happens, then we will be burning our faces off. Yeah. All right. I'm down. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> Either way, until the next one. Thanks for listening. That's Minute From Us. Waveform is produced in production with Studio 71, and our intro-outro song is created by Cameron Barlow. <laughs>